most of my friends regularly use, use fake names. Yeah. Like, I'm used to, except for myself. What so do you like, want me to refer to you as in like the description? Uh, <laughs> fuck it. Might as well go by the pseudonym, right? Blazius. Because really? it's Saint Blaise. Blaise yeah. is the German Germanic version of it. Blaise mm-hmm. is the Latin version. But the German version is spelled B L A I S E. Mm-hmm. Latin version is B L A I S I U S. So Blaseus and I grew up kind of basically like framed as if we were cousins, but we only switched. Cousins without being cousins. I mean, why yeah. not fully just explain it? Kind of cousins yeah. without being cousins. It was my faux aunt. Mm-hmm. I'd go see her enough that like I ended up seeing you guys and I knew your family. Yeah, and we've known each other pretty much our whole lives. Our parents really know each other and his mom worked with my aunt at their jobs through the military basically and so you got the childhood that was traveling all over and living all over the world basically since you were born in singapore and like lived in belgium and belgium yeah yeah and I got the constant childhood of military from my the, parents raised me in the rural same US space, military, farm yeah. commune, <laughs> right outside DC. Yeah. So it's kind of two extremes, I guess, of it. The, would you say is the first chronological question? Questions about my childhood? Or? Yeah. I love this. You're like sitting up. I feel like a therapist right now, <laughs> which is so funny. Well, it's kind of funny because my individual ones, it's like a monologue and. I sit there and go, oh, is this what the vagina monologues is supposed to be? Like, I've never, <laughs> yeah. never seen it, but it's literally me ranting for almost an hour. I actually saw the vagina monologue. I've really seen the vagina monologue. Really? Yeah. Actually, you know, people have very extreme opinions of it. I didn't have one extreme opinion of it. I just thought I was like, oh, yeah, I understand why this was created. Like, it's a necessary piece of art for feminism. It is corny, but it's not overly corny. What is it about? Just women's experience? It's like slam poetry when it comes to the female experience. It's every part of it. They have a menstruation section. They have a menopause section of the th- a play. I don't know what you call it. I'm forgetting the beginning parts because the later parts are crazier. They're angry. <laughs> and they should be angry. Why would women not be angry? Why would men not be angry? Yeah. People laugh at the idea of a male feminist. It's so stupid. And it's literally because of the name. It's literally just because men feel like saying you align with like femininity is, yeah, it's like pro-women. And I'm like, God, like we really need to work on the marketing of liberal policies. Because if they were framed in a way that was about rationality and reasonable and logic, people would be like, oh, I actually do agree with this. But they're framed in such a stance that people are naturally scared to be a part of it. Yeah. Which freaking infuriates. I can't tell you, I even heard this from my own sister, but she's not the only one who said this to me, who says... I'm not a feminist, I'm an egalitarian. Those are... Same thing. Yeah, those are not... (laughs) Same thing. Feminism is under the umbrella of egalitarianism. They're the same things. What are you talking about? Feminism, the only reason that the title exists to differentiate it from egalitarianism is the fact that a lot of societies live under patriarchy. So the focus is feminine. And it doesn't even necessarily mean women. It just means Mm -hmm. having more perceivably feminine attributes to a society yeah so i always like to talk about chimpanzees and bonobos which are two oh i know yeah no i know all about what you're about to spew into is it the is it wait wait is it the i'm gonna make sure i have this right before i just go ahead and Mm -hmm. be like yeah we know what we're talking about it's the the monkeys that cure stuff through sex 
And then the yep. monkey's like, cure stuff through violence. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and chimpanzees, just to, you know, give a brief summary for everyone who doesn't know, chimpanzees are male-dominated, patriarchal groups. They patrol the territory. They are very violent and aggressive. They literally rip limbs from each other. Chimpanzees that you see in zoos, there's a lot of behavioral intelligence that goes into keeping them happy because they will literally just murder each other. They have murder rates very similar to human societies in hunter-gatherer eras. Yeah. And Bonobos grew up on the other side of the Congo River in an area that had less competition. They're female-dominated. They're incredibly loving, and they solve problems through sexuality, and it's very sensual, almost. A loving society. They kind of center them around their babies a little bit. And even though females are weaker physically, if there's an aggressive male, all of the females gang up on the male and, fuck. and basically <laughs> prevent it from being a problem. Yeah. And they think potentially Bonobos kicked out way back when the aggressive members of their group who were then exiled to the other riverbank, basically, and they developed as chimpanzees in an area that did not have the forest, so they had to compete for resources more. The USA can take a fucking chill pill, and this should be the only thing we talk about. <laughs> I think the most interesting part of those two things that you describe, and mm -hmm. the one that is most blatantly apparent when you compare it to the US, lack of resources on the right side of the river. Arguably, would chimpanzees be as aggressive if they had the resources they need and they didn't feel the need to compete yeah. territorially? You can link that with how we live in a statist world. It's changing. People think we're going more towards... There's a word for global cooperation that much more encompasses... I don't remember what it's called right now. But it's basically the idea instead of... Statism is the idea that every single country competes with each other for a slice of the pie of the global resources. Mm -hmm. Where if you had global cooperation, you would set up a global network between all different societies and different countries to ensure that there was a equal flow of resources, not really competing for flow of resources, but working together to make sure the logistics are such that the resources can get to the places where they need to be deemed on uh -huh. some type of quality basis. Yeah. Which the USA is a, in late stage capitalism, their distribution of wealth is fucking horrible, very clearly. We don't, we barely break the top 50 for like economic gender equality and people just live in this perpetuated narrative because of the indoctrination that we get from when we're children, that the USA is the best. It's like, God bless America. So both of us are atheists as yeah. well. And I try and be cognizant when I frame religion to know that like not everyone feels that way. But I think religion has been misused horribly throughout centuries of the human timeline, undeniably, to justify violence and judgment towards others, which most religions are literally centered around the idea that they're not supposed to judge others. Okay, so if that's the premise, how do so many of you constantly do it? Yeah. Why? I think, we, I don't remember where I was talking to you about this yesterday, who I was uh -huh. talking to this about, but it's the reason that I'm atheist, just, it, would, it didn't come, like, a lot of people assume because I went to Catholic school when I was young, it was some rebellion phase, and I got angry. I yeah. was never, ever into any of, they made me go to those schools because they thought I wouldn't get into drugs, <laughs> jokes on them, but, like, <laughs> I went there, and I was never into that stuff. Yeah. Um, 
I did think the idea of Jesus was cool because all how selfless he was and yeah. how he was just willing to like, go hang out with the people that like, society hated the most. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the cool aspect of Jesus, and it's the part that society hates the most. Actually, his followers supposedly modern society. You know, I think you're the one who was like, yeah, Jesus is like a Middle Eastern uh, socialist. Yeah, Jesus was literally a Middle Eastern and like socialist. you read the New Testament. I don't know. Maybe some people had different takeaways, but the way I read it is you should give any amount of excess that you have to the poor. That's a pretty socialistic idea. And that instead of further marginalizing the marginalized, that we go and we hang out with the lepers. We go hang out with mm. the prostitutes. We wash the feet of the prostitutes and of the tax collectors. That's the only thing I cared about. And that's the only thing that the whole rest of the world didn't seem to give a shit about. I've actually been debating whether I should go back and read the Bible cover to cover. And I'm like... It's a great book. Like, I'm yeah. not going to lie. It's so... Especially Revelations. That's the mm -hmm. fun one. But... Well, I like spirituality. I like to study it and I like to know what people's mindsets are. So I've mentally blocked out my private school Christian upbringing and some of it literally makes me think, do I have repressed childhood memories that I am protecting myself from in a way? But then the other part of me is like, well, I don't know because I remember breaking my foot and my teacher not letting me call my mom. You know, yeah. maybe. Did they ever do that thing where they give you rice for some reason? No, but I was an angel. For every Christmas play, <laughs> my little white blonde hair at the time. Yeah. And of course, I was the perfect angel child. Hitler's like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm German too, and I have the most generic ass German last name. It's basically Smith for Germans. That's, yeah. That's like the last name for Germans. Oh, and I'm blonde with like blue green eyes. Not great. <laughs> Which it's kind of funny because a lot of people also fetishize it though. And especially as I've gotten older, I have recognized which men, especially in my life, have fetishized the fact that I was blonde. And I don't know if they recognize it necessarily, but there is a certain indoctrination. Like my brother was a baseball player growing up and he won a national championship in college. Baseball is the most misogynistic fucking fan base of all sports. Dude, I, find, I think baseball is so fucking boring. So it like is, it is. But away. every single one of those baseball wives and girlfriends, blonde, skinny. Probably because it's, I mean, honestly, it's all, well, not on the professional level. It's a lot of level, Midwest. It's not a super white sport, but like. Well, it is the, pretty white. In the high school level, well, I played baseball when I was in middle school and high school, and both times it was super white, but then you look at the professionals, and you have like Andrew Rodriguez, and it's a good mix in the professionals, yeah. but. it's a much better mix for sure, but it's very. Well, because they gotta have the best no matter what. It's very frustrating because not many people actually get that perspective. Like, they only see the fan base that they played in and most of them only play through high school if that if they're lucky and then we idolize sports so much in the usa it's so fucking stupid yeah it's annoying I'm, I'm such in the minority and i have to keep my mouth shut because i'm a dude and the two things dudes like to talk about are like sports, sports. and sports stats <clears throat> all right and that's the two things i like to do i'm so good at them but i don't give a shit about professional athletes to me that's saying that you literally had so many other people who took care of everything else that was more important in life so that all you had to focus on was a game yeah. was a game and at the end of the day it's great to provide something for people to rally around so i like that aspect of it like, i like the unification and fan bases and stuff but it's literally just another way for the usa to justify that somehow we're the greatest because we're outperforming through sport that's my issue with the olympics 
is I don't give a shit how many gold medals we have when we have horrible human rights issues in every community that's not incredibly wealthy. Honestly, you know, I never thought of it because you've mentioned this before and I didn't think just until now because in my mind, the most powerful thing to change that dynamic uh -huh. would for it to be the Olympians themselves to say like, hey, what about what's going on back home? Yeah. Like as soon as but you win that medal, rules. they hand you the mic like, hey, uh, now that I have a platform here in front of the world, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about what's going on in my country right now. So, like, so many of them though don't feel like they can do that until they're Well, there's probably, there might, the there's best. probably stuff written into the stuff they have to sign to be Contracts, a part yeah. of it that says like, we'll sue the shit out of you. They're also you not representing themselves. They're representing their country, they're representing their team, they're representing a fan base. And so one of my friends actually wrestles for Israel. Or I'm not like a friend. I met him through the internet and we've had enough conversations, I think I can call him a friend. But he wrestles for Israel during all of the current things going on with Israel versus Palestine. I've asked him a lot of information about it because I value his opinion. I know he represents that country even though he has only ever lived in the U.S. Other teams won't wrestle him. Like Iran and different teams in the Middle East won't wrestle him because that means acknowledging the validity of Israel as a state. And it's to him, he takes it as like the wrestlers want to do it, but the governments won't. And I said, yeah, but that's valid. Even though they are individuals, they are representing their country when they're wrestling you on a world stage. Yeah. I, I mean, if I were in their position, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't personally, and for my country. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if you were to do that, you kind of are... He tried to say... You're giving validity to what mm -hmm. they're doing in their country right well, now. Well, he also tried to be like, I try to be apolitical, and I said, I think that's inappropriate. Just who you are is political. Who you're choosing to represent on a global stage, and he is the one who actually shared the books on The Genius of Dogs and Survival of the Friendliest, which are both two books by uh, professors at Duke, which is where he went to school. They're about behavioral intelligence kind of related to animals. And that's how I got in touch with bonobos and chimpanzees, actually, because it covers it. They're great books. Highly recommend them. And I said, you know, you are the exact type of person that should be representing Israel because you care about that stuff. You do care about global cooperation, but he doesn't feel like he can speak on things until he achieves X, Y, and Z. You know, going from that, like even the women who won a World Cup, the women's soccer team, yeah, they spoke out about pride and the Black Lives Matter that. movement, yeah. and they still got backlash. And they got backlash and were told to stay in their lane. And at what point is the goal the influence? I feel like everyone who stands up and says something gets mm -hmm. that, though. I do. And I think that really we just need, regardless of that happening, we just need more and more people to be willing to do it. Yeah. You gain my respect so hard when you risk. They took risk yeah. to do that. They knew what they were risking. And you have so much respect for me because, like, you put your skin in the game. You really did. Well, you want to know the funny thing is, like, I have talked openly about my, my biological dad being a narcissist. He, when Obama came to UNC, he told me not to go see him because no. he didn't deserve to be president basically because he had only had so many terms of congress or whatever and he got it basically because he was yeah, black whatever, whatever justifies your yeah whatever like bullshit yeah. <laughs> justification that was such military alpha male rhetoric and at the time i was 18 so i was still under that i want to listen to my parents thing 
and like, I want to respect my parents, etc. And it was so fucking hard to realize that I couldn't if I actually wanted to be who like, I was supposed to be. Yeah. And then with the Colin Kaepernick thing, he did the same thing. Oh, he was going to get cut from the team anyways. He was doing this kind of a move to basically make it so they couldn't fire him. And even if that were true, I don't give a shit. I would rather... There's so many things that don't match up with that, though. Yeah. Especially with him consulting with the Marine veteran ahead of time to see if this would be a respectful way to go about it. Yeah. But my dad was just repeating a Joe Rogan type of alpha male falsehood. Oh, yeah. I mean... Because he wants to be that alpha male. Like, he wants men to respect him. And I think I realized at some point, I don't give a shit who respects me as long as I respect myself. I need to do a separate podcast just shitting on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yes. No, I have a whole one shitting. Because yeah. I have so many friends who love the Joe Rogan podcast. I, I really have to go about it. But very, it's hard. Like, he is the only man like who represents that physical alpha male mentality who talks openly about depression. My issue, though, is he is perpetuating the narrative that you have to beat it out of yourself. And that's the fucked up part. The whole sport of UFC is a way for people to think you literally have to fight for respect. You have to fight for love. You have to fight for validity. And that's not healthy. I actually used to be a Joe Rogan fan. I used Mm -hmm. to like Joe Rogan. What made Um, you change? Well, he talks about drug use and stuff. Because there's a very different dynamic to certain episodes than there are to others. My favorite ones was when it focused on the guest and not him. When it was yeah. like, they have some physicist on, he's going to talk. But then I realized slowly that he had a way of trying to steer the conversation into, honestly, at most benevolent to like a really dumb, boneheaded place of what is the lowest common denominator in society and what questions would they want to ask the astrophysicist. Uh-huh. And then the other part of it is sometimes honestly and i really would have to do a separate podcast in this so i can come with receipts yeah. but like dog whistles straight up dog whistles to like sexism misogyny racism like you have it yeah. there's dog whistles all throughout that fucking podcast it's hard because people get positive reinforcement when they're making money which is and when they have a tons of adoring fans yeah. be like yo dude i fucking love this podcast you're the best bro you help me with blah 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 yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. it's power and power is corrupting Uh, Like, we talked about that earlier. Now that I actually feel comfortable speaking on things more and speaking on the events in my life and, like, viewing my past as a story and not as something that will be used against me, I feel powerful. And I am cognizant of the fact that I don't want to ever feel so powerful I forget why I started my intention. You don't want power to turn to arrogance. Yeah. Yeah. And... My main goal is to perpetuate the narrative that you should constantly be learning and reflecting. Yeah. And we don't really share that sentiment within society. We really have grown up because of the military and patriarchal ties in the U.S. We act like you should just move on from things out of sight, out of mind. It's a good vibes only sentiment. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, God, so that struck the the way you worded so that struck me deep in my soul. Good vibes only. Yeah, but that's literally what it is. And part what of about that... the Uyghur Muslims in China? Good vibes only. <laughs> the Olympics are coming up, and people in the U.S. are just sitting here like, la la la. The Olympics, everything's great. Like coronavirus is done. People are vaccinated. Have you heard of the Delta variant? All of Japan doesn't want the fucking Olympics to happen. Gold medals. 
(laughs) It's so messed up and people are so disconnected. But the athletes, oh, because we clearly don't give a shit about Japanese health. That was very clear when we dropped an atomic bomb on them. We have to frame things in in ways that people care about in the U.S. So like dogs, you could sit there and be you could sit there. (laughs) They care more about dogs than they do humans. Yes. Well, they almost made the Shiba Inu extinct because of like the aftermath of World War II and Americans would sit there. That is so tragic. They are so cute and fluffy and such a wonderful light. Oh, and also in the aftermath of World War II, Japan's elders volunteered for radioactive cleanup to expose themselves instead of their youth. And that would never happen in the USA. Never. Americans wouldn't care about that information. They would care about the dogs. Dogs are related to anti-communist propaganda. We have been said to have dropped 50,000 dogs as biological weapons that were rapid during the Korean War. And China's number one issue, one of their main public health issues is rabies right now. Huh. And that is traced back to the Korean War. And we talked about how the Cold War never ended. And it is very clear to me and someone who's grown up outside Washington, D.C. and always had military family ties to be aware of that stuff. And it's shocking, purely shocking, how many Americans just choose to live in that blissful ignorance. By the way, should we set up some ethos when we talk about the military stuff? The fact that your dad has a military background? Because at some point, I feel like there are people who might listen to this who might yeah. be like, this sounds like conspiracy theory. Yeah. Oh, I talked You know, your I dad have, like, worked... gone into a full dive. So I introduced my podcast in general. I did, don't laugh, but I did a three-part segment called Was I Almost Gisling Maxwell? wait now about the way like i was meant to be kept pure and innocent even when i was 18 my aunt mary tried to set me up to escort a 26 year old australian diplomat's son around dc she didn't think anything of it and i was so thrown off what the fuck do i have in common with an australian diplomat's 26 year old son why would he even want an 18 year old to show him around DC. I've gone, what, do I take out the things that I went on public take school field McDonald's. trips? <laughs> <laughs> Just take him like random places that no one would ever want to go to. Like here's the McDonald's uh, and here's the bus station. Like, oh, right over there is where people inject heroin. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do heroin? <laughs> you want to try some of I our mean, American I from crack. Australia, so they have a lot of venomous shit over there. Maybe he wouldn't be deterred. Oh yeah, we have kangaroos that do that. Yeah, they've they got... have scary animals there. Yeah, they've also, I think peyote naturally grows in Australia too. What is peyote? Am I gonna sound like an idiot? It's like a very intense psychedelic. I've never done it, but Mm -hmm. obviously I've been in circles of people who talked about doing it. It's like a two, three day trip. It's two, three days. Uh, It depends how much you take, obviously. Dosage always matters, but that's when you go on the spiritual journey with the shaman and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. So apart from weed, I've only ever done shrooms once. Great, great experience. Actually, I'll go into my shroom trip story because you'll appreciate it. (laughs) So me and my best friend at the time who actually had, in hindsight, she had previously sexually assaulted me, which is not a part of the story now, but it does kind of get relevant because at one point we went inside and she went into her bedroom and I got really freaked out, like being inside with her Mm. and had to call a friend because I was having a slightly bad experience at that moment in the trip. And now in hindsight, was I freaked out because of her? 
you know, or right. because... Well, let, let's tackle this chronologically. Let's go from the beginning of the... Like, where were you uh-huh. at when you dropped? What I was you So, thinking? I was in Chapel Hill. I had not been living in Chapel Hill, but I was uh, house-sitting for like a week and a half for a family that I had babysat for for probably three, four years at that point. Okay. I had graduated from my grad school, and it was in the summer after. So, wasn't working at the time. I was studying for the MCAT. Didn't really know what I wanted to do, but knew I didn't want to fucking work. Yeah. <laughs> and... I had visited Chapel Hill for a week for this guy I was kind of dating at the time, slash dated on and off for like eight years. Finally called it quits a few years ago, thank God. I couldn't share anything about myself with him. What do you mean? Um, Like he he wasn't receptive? No, he he was a communications major and was very receptive. He wanted me to open up and I just couldn't mentally. Oh, okay. And I think part of it was I was scared of the judgment at the time and that's actually what my writing has been really good for is because I am now able to vocalize it in a way that I'm not scared of sharing that with people. I know that whoever's like meant to stay. I'm I'm a big proponent of just speaking the truth being who you are. Feels good. But I got a little derailed from my shroom trip story. I stayed with my best friend at the time who even though she had abused me, I kind of ignored it because it was... For convenience, honestly. Yeah, for convenience. I needed her friendship at the time. When we tripped, we were at her house in Chapel Hill. We were just kind of laying in the grass for a long time, looking up at the trees because I fucking love trees. That's my favorite part about anything. And I really like Lord of the Rings because of the Entwives, so I paint trees Whoa, a lot and we stuff. We can have a whole separate podcast about yeah, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I love it. I am a fucking nerd for that. Yeah, I actually did a whole episode on Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship. Like, I took it from like, a feminist stance. I said, none of this shit would have happened without women. Arwen literally saved Frodo so many fucking times. Yeah, she's on. if you go back and read the books of Semerillion and everything, that mm-hmm. kind of gives you a preface to all that thing. She's the most powerful being in that entire world mm-hmm. she pretty much controls everything which is kind of funny so i'm moving to atlanta and i don't like to say it's for a guy but it's for the possibility of love in a lot of ways in addition to but a, for a specific person or just the possibility of love in atlanta no, like for a specific person yeah, and, no <laughs> um so i call him strider in my blog and i say it's because he's not aragorn yet he's yeah <laughs> you fucking nerd i but he's such a nerd too, so it's great. It matches up. Okay, and yeah. and I called him that because he had actually responded to an Instagram story of mine where I said Aragorn was perfect symbol of non-toxic masculinity. Yeah, okay. And he was like, is this not me? And I was like, what the fuck? How are you Aragorn? In hindsight, he's actually good, but he couldn't communicate with me in the way that he needed. He's, he's getting there. But the fact that so that's he, why he's Strider. Yeah, he's not Aragorn. the fact that he yeah. thinks he's Aragorn makes me think that he thinks I'm Arwen or an elf, which I love. Fuck yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is the best compliment anyone could give me. Some ethereal, mystical being that just saves everything and is just full of enlightenment. Nobody has ever called me that in my whole life. I wanna be. I want to be, like, if we're talking Lord of the Ring characters, I want to be, well, let's be real. My ego wants me to be Gandalf, but (laughs) realistically, who I actually think I am, I think I'm either Merry or Pippin. But you are. I I think I'm the hobbit that's, like, food obsessed and doesn't really give a shit about the general plot line, but just happens to end up being significant. You also self-identify as a Morty, though, so that matches. I never, one thing you'll ever learn about me. It's something that I 
have said multiple times, and it goes uh-huh. very counterintuitive to U.S. culture, very counterintuitive to what you see even in the younger generation within yeah. Gen Z. Like, I'm the main character. Yeah. I always thought in order to be a good person, you never you view yourself as the main character. You're always the supporting actor. Oh, interesting. You're always the person who builds other people up to be the mm-hmm. person that they need to be. And it doesn't necessarily, and people think like that comes at the detriment of yours, but I don't think it is. I think it means that you've already accepted who you are and who you are is the person who builds up other people. I think the supporting role is almost always the more stable and wise one that's guiding the main Oh, character. it's 100%, which worries me because I don't think anyone has ever viewed me as not a main character. No. I want to be, be the support. I want to be the Gandalf. That's I great, though. Guy. One of the first people who actually let me know that they read their read my blog was a guy I had just met on Bumble. And I hope he still reads it. Cause Bumble! He, know, Some of my worst really dates it. were on Bumble! I know. Some of my best dates were surprisingly... What? Facebook dating. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, mm. that worked out for me, Interesting. actually. Aw, that's so nice. No, it's not. <laughs> but it worked out, so... He actually told me some people are writers, and then the majority of people are readers or listeners. And, you know, it is rare to be a leader. And I think a lot of people want to be a leader because especially right now in the USA, you know, we have the like, oh, you're a sheep type of thing. And it's such bullshit because not everyone can be. I don't think I'm a leader other than through example. I don't try to purposefully lead because... And even even leaders, though, the thing that I think people get twisted is even leaders have people they follow. Yeah, it's like every person is the culmination of their experiences and in some way, shape, or form, those have been influenced by any number of people outside of themselves. But when we read a story, we usually read it from one person's perspective. So I took this long-ass character quiz that had 56 different personality, different types, and it matches- Like a Briggs Myers, but more intense. Yes, but it matches you up with characters from every different universe, basically. And I got like 91% Arya. That was my closest match. Which is pretty spot on. That's me. that's pretty badass. And, and I'm not gonna lie, badass. I kind of wish that's what I would get. <laughs> Dude, I I, I was so flattered. I love her character so I much. I was so flattered, and I said. You and know, actually, I fucking I was a huge critic of Game uh-huh. of Thrones. There was parts I had problems with, but fucking Arya's character was yeah. the projection. I I just <laughs> I loved it, and it was so flattering because I'd always identified with it, and any of. Arya's actions alone probably would have been off-putting but because you knew her backstory it was easy to like her yeah and I think it's important to remember it is easy to like and understand and know people when you have access to their backstories but the realities of life is you don't you don't yeah Yeah. and it's pretty difficult to remind yourself of that in those moments when you're being affected by other people without the backstory which I think has helped me just with relationships and stuff because my I strive to understand now. Yeah. <laughs> to get back on track to my shroom story, I loved, it, <laughs> I loved it. But I was like about five hours into a 10 hour trip. Great trip so far. I had never done shrooms, obviously. Didn't really know what to expect, but I love feeling all of the grass, looking at the trees moving. And it was great when we were outside. It was sunny. It was. Just beautiful day in that's, Chapel Hill. That's exactly what shrooms are. Perfect, yeah. yeah. And then we went inside 
I got a text message from the mom that I was babysitting for or house sitting. And I had house sat for her plenty of other times. And she messages me and it was the 21st of August. I was, she was supposed to come home on the 22nd. She says, hey, change of plans. We decided to come home today. We're about an hour away. I was at my friend's house. All of my belongings were at her house. I had like left for the day, completely planned to be at my friend's house all day. Mind you, I was about halfway through what would turn out to be a 12 hour trip. And I mentally, and I think this is a good testament to who I am actually, I sat there and went through all of my options mentally. And I said, the only thing that can salvage this is if I'm honest. So I texted a mom whose children I babysit. And I said, you told me that you were coming home on the 22nd. So on the 21st, which is today, I decided with a friend who she knew the friend at the time, like she had also had her babysit. and said, I decided I was going to do shrooms. So that's currently going on. I have your house key with me. I cannot see you, but I can leave it somewhere for you to pick up. <laughs> and my friend who I was with was like, let's call an Uber and send the key in the Uber back to the house. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> no, At least not... you were with it enough to realize like, what? No. I was like, oh, that's a horrible idea. Like the Uber driver would probably break into the fucking house. No, that's a terrible idea. English ended up coming, picking up the key from the mailbox, you know, just going on. And she messaged me back because she's actually, I really helped her children through a very nasty divorce. Her husband went off his bipolar medication and was very aggressive towards her. And I took her kids to see Inside Out so that they would... Oh, that's yeah, a good movie. I really so that like they it. would learn about processing emotions a little better. And I was basically their regular support when everything else was changing for them yeah and her dad i know was an alcoholic so we had bonded previously over the fact that i grew up in a family of alcoholics my uncle across the street uh, or my grandpa and we had talked heavily about that before and mind you this was the first time i'd ever done shrooms so i was terrified that she would judge me negatively for it or think I had a drug problem or something and I just wanted to try them yeah and she came back she sent me a voice message instead of a text and I was so scared to listen to it but she was like haha I'm so sorry to interrupt you like I hope you're having the best time just let me know where I can get it like she's done shrooms before you think so nobody is that nice unless they've done shrooms before because they understand like even if you are pissed at them yeah. they're in the middle of a trip right now yeah it's not productive be mad at them now Make sure they have a good experience and a yeah. good trip because, like, a bad trip can be really, really, yeah. really detrimental to your long term. Well, I life, sat there so. when I was weighing the options of what to do. How do I stop myself from propelling down a sea of blackness, basically? Honesty. Honesty. And at the end of the day, I think I've always been the type of person where like, I will account for my behavior. That is what I value above all. Do whatever the fuck you want, but be aware of it. Think about the way it affects others before you do it. It's a very healthy way to live. Yeah. Mentally. Yeah, and I think not everyone is okay with sharing that. Not everyone is okay with why they choose to do the things they do. And I can't promise other people would change, but I like to lead by example. So I try to set that example and just be okay with that. <laughs>
whether it's good or bad. It's not like I haven't done shitty things. Like I was basically raised like a militant dictator. <laughs> you were raised with like Machiavellian principles. Yeah, that's yeah. actually a good point. Since I'm an ENTJ, I like every every single guy I've been into has been an INTJ or not every guy, but the some two, variation of the that. Two There's that, always a little bit of variation. The two that I've really considered having a life with are both very similar to that. And I looked it up online and it was like INTJs and ENTJs are the Machiavellian power couple. And I was like, <laughs> ooh, like the temptation. <laughs> Hold on one second though. Is that pretty much wrap up your shrooms? Yes. And then I would like to share with you mine. I actually think it's interesting like what you said earlier about how drug use has made you be okay with being out of control. I think since I started smoking weed and since I, you know, did shrimps the one time, I am much better at it. It is easier for me to set aside what I need and be okay with others being in control or needing to take the lead, etc. And I really like that aspect of growth. I, I don't know, I always viewed it as a challenge too, because all it does is it puts you in a wholly different mindset than you're ever used to. Mm -hmm. And if you notice, I don't know if it's tolerance or if it's just mentality, there are some people who can smoke and seem almost not affected by it at all. Uh-huh. Which is both a blessing and a curse. Because, mm -hmm. like, you can smoke inordinate amounts of, like, weed and oil and still have intellectual conversation, but also you can't have the same enjoyment as those people, like, <laughs> sausage party, bro. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. But anyway, let's delve into, since I brought this out specifically, because I was going to delve into my shrimp story of the first time. The first time I did acid is actually a much more interesting story. Tell both of them. No, I won't tell the shrimp story. So I had attempted to get acid in the past. One time I got just a regular acid comes on tab. I've never done acid, but yeah. It comes on tab. They just sold me pieces of paper with fucking nothing on them. Oh. Like, I didn't pay a lot of money. It was... Acid is typically only mm -hmm. 10 bucks, 15 a tab. So, the, like, the EDC thing is huge in Florida, so a lot of people do acid. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's huge in Delaware, too, actually. Oh, yeah, because of Firefly. Exactly. I shared these similar stories with mm -hmm. a coworker when I worked at Grotto's who was, like, three years younger than me. Mm -hmm. And then when she got back from Firefly, she was like, I had sex on acid. And I was like, no, I feel like I'm such a bad influence. I feel like I... Like... Okay, but I... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to stop you. But that's my goals is to do shrooms again and do acid again and do them potentially with Strider because he's done a shit ton of drugs. He used to get stuff from the black market and dark web type oh, shit. Oh, no, not that stuff. Yeah. And that's how you end up doing research pins. Yeah, well, so he was in the same fraternity as a guy that... I had fucked, like, one time who cooked his own DMT before we fucked. Oh. Wait, wait. I'm a biochemist. Since, since we're using the pseudonym we were going to mm -hmm. use first. But, no, I was just making sure I hadn't used my name yet. Oh, yeah, no. You but uh, my sister used to cook DMT. Really? And right before my last surgery, she cooked me a huge batch of DMT. Oh. And, um, yeah, actually, it was a really shitty situation because it was supposed to be all for me. And uh -huh. then everyone I was with kind of went, give me, give me, give me. And I yeah. ended up with, like, the littlest amount out of everyone. You should go back to your acid story, though. Okay. Let's see. Where do we start here? Mm, okay. So let's just start from the decision of, like, let's do acid. Uh -huh. I was with my friend, oh, pseudonym. They're generic enough names, because yeah. if they use their real names, they're fucking the most generic. I mean, they would have to reveal themselves, is the thing. In the case that this were to get popular ever, which 
judging by like my back history oh I'm definitely i know popular. one of them would not give a fuck they would love to have their real name used in this oh, i know that good. exact dude it's oh my god oh, i should i have people too. like that too <laughs> okay so anyway i'll just fucking stop stalling so we all decided that we were going to do acid that night and we were all just kind of excited the whole entire day in anticipation we were in college so like we were just taking our classes like waiting for the end of the day and then when the end of the day comes I found out that they all had already gotten it without me. And they're like, you got to go to the guy's house to get it by yourself. Okay. <laughs> and my friend Lucas was nice I enough to like, drive okay, me. I'm not doing it then. No, he was nice enough to drive me and have to walk all the way there. So it was like quick experience. We drove over there. And Why didn't like, they just pick it up for you? They, they just went. They all walked there together at a time where they were going together. I don't know. Is this what drug people friends do? They don't trust <laughs> each other with that shit? They're like, no, hey, honestly, you, the truth of it is that if you're high a lot of the time, you're mm-hmm. just really bad at communication, coordination, thought uh, processes in general. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I don't struggle with that. Some people do, some people don't. I don't feel like I ever did. But anyway, I, it was no fucking biggie to me. So I just went there with Lucas, and the presentation was amazing. I go to pick up from this dude, and he's wearing this very Aztecian robe, and he walks up to me. Are you I'm here? Picture- I, I'm sorry, I got reminded of the two hot guys from the road to El Dorado. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> a little bit. The blonde dude with the, lo- the oh, like, shoulder-length blonde hair. The Dude, yeah, it was. He's kind of like that. I'm not gonna lie. He was like, "Were you here for the Sid?" And I was like, "Yes." And he was like, very much putting in the most effort to make it like a mystical experience. There's incense burning in the back and everything. Oh my god! And then People he goes, do this shit? "Yes." That's awesome. And he was like, "Let me present." And then he takes the tabs. But here's the thing: I'm not just gonna give them to you. You have to take them here right now. I'm gonna oh. put them on your tongue right now. And I was like, fuck it. I was going to do it anyway for the next 10 minutes. Let's go. I feel like this is just what people who sell acid do. That's the point. I mean, to some. Some people, like I've had some that were just like here. (laughs) After you've experienced it, how can you go back to just normal? It was a nice first experience, I'm not going to lie. It was very fitting. He gives us the sit. I find out that it's double dip tabs, which means they dip the tab in the LSD and then they dip it again in the Mm -hmm. LSD. So two double dip tabs are technically a little bit less than four tabs. First, we went with a bunch of people into the, oh, and I forgot, import, not very important detail, but just kind of funny detail. Do you detail. have to drink a lot of water when you do acid? Yes, that's a very smart thing to do, yeah. Uh, they weren't actual tabs, they were Teddy Grahams. Mm-hmm. Somebody took Teddy Grahams and dipped them in LSD. And supposedly it was acid made at our university in the labs by students. Yeah, I'm a biochemist. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm so lame. I could make this stuff myself. And I'm just such a goody-goody that I would never... Honestly, even if I could, I'd be so anxious about fucking it up. Yeah, so I'm never gross. worried about that. My experiments and the classwork is meticulously perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't worry about I can follow directions to a T, but I need the directions. And except which is weird when it comes to my art, I really don't. I just kind of go. But I feel like that's how art should be. Yeah, I agree. But it's such a dichotomy. Whenever I draw, I never have an idea ahead of time. I just start making yeah. random strokes and I go from there. Mm-hmm. All right, back to the acid. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they were like in these teddy grams. Yeah. And uh, we decided to go out to this random field 
Huh. It was past this parking lot in campus where it was just a bunch of, it was kind of like a meadow in the middle of this random field. Mm-hmm. So we go in there. Uh, oh yeah, and it was nicknamed, <laughs> so fucking stupid. It was nicknamed Vagina Meadows. Mm-hmm. simply because there were a bunch of random holes in the ground <laughs> that nobody knew why they were there. Men are so stupid. <laughs> yes. So symbolic. How old were you guys when you called it that? Oh, we didn't make the name. Uh, oh, it was, it was the... like a known name? Yes. Not like a slang? People went there to do drugs and stuff. Because it was a nice oh. meadow. It actually like looked quite nice. Just I wonder if I wasn't a runner. Because all, like, parks and stuff, I'm like, oh, this would be a nice place to run or, like, do yoga. Yeah. And now I'm, like, sitting there going, Are, is everyone around me tripping? <laughs> Maybe. But anyway, we went into this, like, little underbrush section. We all like, did our taps. And we did the taps as the sun was setting. So, like, oh, we were watching the sun setting. picturesque. Exactly. That was the mindset. We're chill out. Enjoy the sunset. Enjoy the vagina meadows. Maybe swing on some trees. Who I knows? I love the trees. Oh, yeah. And, of course, we were going to smoke some weed because everyone, when they're tripping, is like... I've heard that. Well, I yeah. Think... I think, honestly, in my experience, it does seem to be a preventative measure for bad trips. Uh-huh. Because it kind of just creates a different type of endorphin rush. Mm-hmm. I don't think LSD is necessarily the best at the endorphin rush part. It's mm-hmm. more about the psychedelic experience. Yeah. The weed kind of helps with uh, keeping the endorphins up anyway, so make sure you don't have a bad trip. But um, Interesting. I love learning about the biochemistry side of it. See, I love... This is just my theory. This isn't... I know, I know, but (laughs) it makes me picture it. It makes me try and think whether it's possible. Yeah. This is why I like studying science so much. I'm such a loser. I'm sitting here, people telling me about, like, acid stories, and I'm... Thinking about the fucking biochemistry. No, dude, obviously <laughs> I think about it too, or else I would not have phrased yeah, it that way. That's right. Okay, good. But, um, Makes me feel better. Yeah, I'm glad. We take these tabs, the sun is setting, and at first we're just like smoking a blunt between a bunch of people, and it's just a nice, chill experience. We're like talking about what we're all feeling, and you mm-hmm. know, it's stereotypical beginning drug experience. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, does like anyone hear a train? I hear a train and they're like dude we're in the middle of a field yeah but there's there's definitely like some sound you hear right now nope (laughs) and so I was like all right auditory hallucinations but I was rolling with it because I was like I'm tripping so like that's to be expected yeah so I like you're like ration logic it wasn't scary it just kind of just sounded like I was next to a subway had you ever googled it or anything what to expect when you're doing acid or was it oh yeah I did research ahead of time yeah do you not worry that you're going to trigger some kind of... Like, Schizophrenia? Like No, CIA search. And oh, no. You'll, um, you'll I mean, be followed. Like, you're going to be on a government database. I'm sure that I'm on one for this blog. I mean, dude, <laughs> the illusion <laughs> that you can save yourself from being on one is... Uh, yeah, of, that's yeah. true. I worked in data, so like I know oh, how feeble it true. is Good to point. hide your data. Good point. I data mine. That kind of sounds, it does sound nefarious. Market stuff. Yeah. Even Um, though it was technically data mining to remove data from data mining sites. Isn't that so weird? I don't even know what, like, I'm going to be honest, data mining, I don't understand the concept. And I should because... Oh, it's super simple. uh, People keep saying that. 
No, no, literally, it's I can make it super simple because uh-huh. I feel like people try to be pretentious and word it in a way that like uh-huh. sounds like more professional. But what if you it's say really this like and then I still don't understand it and then I feel even dumber? Oh, no, no, no. Super simple. Okay, so think about it this way. You run a business doing PR for people who have negative stuff written about them on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm very good at that. I can word anything. Actually... My powers only work the opposite way. I can only word positive things negatively. <laughs> then this job is not for you. Because no. you need to spin people positively. But anyway, we we had content writers for that and everything. But anyway. Oh, okay. So say you're doing PR for the law. And so where would you want to look, right? Where would Who are the people who need PR? Um, the people who have done something that they shouldn't have. Or people yeah. whose reputations are somehow going lower. Like, Mitch McConnell. So like, where do you look? You look at the Bar Association's disciplinarian records, which are public. Uh-huh. So you go through there and you scrape the data for potential clients. Okay. And then you compile it into a database. And then you try to automate that process. Basically okay. an automatic scoop of new clients through these disciplinarian databases. These public databases. Yeah, I still don't understand how it relates to computers, though. I think that's where my disconnect comes in. Computers are just the tool of which you do it with. Oh. Oh, it's like hacking. Yeah, you might have been thinking of maybe crypto mining, which is a little Uh bit more, which you use GPUs for or graphics cards for. Uh Which I've you know, I build my own computer and I have a pretty nice graphics card in it, so I've considered doing it and looked it up and looked into it, but... I just, I could never sit there and think about building my own computer and it sounds so cool. It's super simple. But I would never I feel like I do so many things that sound pretentious that are super simple. Especially nowadays, you don't solder the fucking motherboard. It comes pre-built and you just plug stuff into it. It's just reading directions. You said you're good at that. Yeah, I am. I don't like the mechanical engineering side of it, which is funny because my brother is a mechanical engineer. Well, most of it's electrical engineering anyway. Mm. My best friend from high school is an electrical engineer. Yeah, uh, that stuff's beyond me. I don't. He's so I tried smart. taking programming classes when I was in, in high school, or no, sorry, He's the one who officially beat me for valedictorian, and if anyone's gonna beat me, I was glad it was him. Yeah. Or he calculated what he needed to do to beat me. Yeah. Yeah, and he took like a study hall when I took an extra class that wasn't weighted so that he would get one of the higher GPAs. And that's fine. That system worked for him, you know? Yeah. And I just, I liked, I wanted to have gym. (laughs) I just wanted to work out in the middle of the day, even though I went to three practices after school. Actually, it's insane. Oh my god, I'm getting so deflected from this fucking acid story. Oh yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. We get derailed about everything. So I'm hearing these subway noises. Mm-hmm. I'm in Vagina Meadows, and that's where we're hanging out just for the beginning. Mm-hmm. So after we're there for a while, I got subway noises. Somebody else starts to have like a little bit of auditory hallucinations, and you know when you're uh-huh. tripping, you have like trip sympathy. So he's like, "Oh yeah, I think I hear subway too." Yeah, I think I hear like a subway train too. Alright, the whole point of a trip is to go somewhere. It's a trip. You go on a trip. Alright, let's go to this place called 1605. Because that was the number of the address. And Uh that's where we did a lot of shit. So, we all showed up there. And we showed up to a bunch of other people doing different acid. Did you know them? 
Yeah. It was a house that we were pretty much with. all lived in. Uh-huh. Not really. We all had our own places, but we would all, like, crash there all the time. W walks up with a vial of um. acid. Not even something dipped in it, like the actual liquid acid. And he's mm-hmm. been putting it in an eyedropper. What do they do with it after they use it? Well, it typically just gets dipped until it's gone. Oh, yeah. Into these mm-hmm. pieces right. of sheet paper, typically, or, you know, Teddy Rams sometimes. And he was taking an eyedropper and dropping it directly into people's eyes. Which, I mean, I think that's... I'm not sure how quickly it absorbs through your eyes, but I imagine insanely quickly. I think it goes right into your brain. God, that explains Um, so much. And also because he had been administering liquid acid, he had been getting acid all over his fingers, and acid will just absorb through the skin. Yeah. Which is a great time to point out that the skin is the largest organ on your body. It is. And is responsible for most of the chemical absorption throughout the day. Yes. Kids, if you ever do acid. If you put it on your skin, you can put it on your skin and not bathe it. in it. <laughs> <laughs> bathe in it. Enjoy yourself. No. Anyway, so we show up here and everyone's already having a good time. And so we sit there and chillax for a while. I think we jammed out to uh we really were into Queen at the time. So uh-huh, I loved the new movies. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I cried on the airplane watching yeah. that. We all like did kind of like a sing along to Bohemian Rhapsody and my brother actually performed that at the talent show in high school. That's bad. Wait. He was, was a he or? was a crowd for the chorus that's like the Mama Mia, Mama Mia. Yeah. <laughs> they dressed all in black and they had flashlights over their faces. That's awesome. Yeah, and they yeah. had the whole that's rock cool. band on the stage with them who performed the main scene and stuff. It was so good. That's awesome. That sounds so cool. I know. We ended up doing that. And then at some point, one of my favorite friends, who I will also use a pseudonym for, S comes in. And S was, of course, tripping because at that time, S Uh was just tripping all the time. And he comes in with his full mohawk all the way up. At that time, it was dyed hot pink. Is this the mohawk guy whose mohawk got hit? Yes. (laughs) And he walks in with a camo jacket on. He just like claps his hands. And of course that gets everyone's attention immediately. Because like when you're tripping, you're hypersensitive to noise. So he just uh-huh. claps his hands. Wow, when you have PTSD, you're also hypersensitive to noise. Yeah. What amazing. Actually, hypersensitivity to noise is very common amongst a lot of like autistic kids too. And um, <laughs> It's probably an ADHD trait too because there's a lot of overlaps. He says... What I just said, you know, on any good trip, you go on a trip. So he's like, but I have something less of a trip and more of a mission. So there's been this church that was around our campus who had been sending this guy who was like a pre-anti-gay preacher to our campus. Uh-huh. And obviously that didn't uh, jive have... with the majority of us. Yeah, we have a pit preacher at UNC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like every People heckle him. It's one. so funny. He's like, I got a proposition for you guys. I think he creates more gays, actually, because this is fucked up. <laughs> He's so ridiculous that it's very obviously illogical, you know? Yeah. And there were a lot of people, too. You always see videos of... Like QAnon. Yeah. You always see videos, too, when the preachers on the college campuses and then two dudes kiss in front of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was that you? Uh, no, I never was bold enough to do that. Yeah. 
Well, I'm I did. Not, I'm not that type of person. Either. But I did something else that was less bold but more covert. Uh huh. And that's where this story is going. Mm hmm. Because his proposition was that we were going to go over to the church. They had this little lighthouse right in front of the church that they lit up. And we were going to rip it out of the ground and steal that shit. Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of like decorate it in our own way. So we drive over there. You know, we're idiot kids. And we're tripping on acid. And when we get there, okay, so we're going to need, like, obviously someone to go in there and have it. Someone to stand watch. To stand watch? Yeah. You can get, this is something you can get in trouble for, you know? We didn't want to get in trouble. But. Oh my god, you guys are going to make yourselves look so much more suspicious. What do you think the fucking don't, cops Don't are? judge the process, alright? Ugh, a bunch of babies. Anyway, we grab... Oh, you hard or something? Nah. Well, <laughs> when I say weak ass, you say bitch. We grabbed, we grabbed the lighthouse. Well, oh. I wasn't the one who grabbed the lighthouse. I was standing watch. Uh-huh. Uh, they grab the lighthouse, we open up the door, they put the lighthouse in the back seat. Of course, if they put the lighthouse in the back seat, we came in there a packed car, there's no more room in the back seat. So me and S volunteered. Okay, you guys were stealing mailboxes? It wasn't a mailbox, like, it was a lighthouse. It wasn't a lighthouse mailbox? Because that's what I'm picturing. It was not a mailbox, it was just a okay, it was kind it was of aesthetic thing. Got it. But they took it and, and they drive away. And me and S are going to have to just hang out there and wait for them to drive back to pick us up. And Walk around the corner. Well, that's what we decided. You know, we had this high-ass conversation. We were tripping on acid. We, we're not the, we're not the I quick processing. I, I know, but I like to think I wouldn't be that stupid. Oh, boo-hoo. Boo-hoo, <laughs> I know honey. it's easy for me to say that, never having yeah. done acid. Yeah, let's, let's, let's tweak you for a test run. Let's see if you're still confident. <laughs> I would but, uh, never be able to do drugs publicly in a, for the first time ever, you know? Let alone go on a mission, man. I know. And, and keep in mind, I started this story saying the president of four tabs. Four tabs. Oh, yeah, you're right. So you're let me right. give you four tabs, and then let's see how you act. That's fair. We had the conversation of, we can't just, just stay sleep. here. We can't stay here at the scene of the crime. Like, we need to move somewhere. All right, well, let's figure out what way is towards campus so that we can just start heading towards it. All right, let's just pull You it really down. are, Gandalf. Let's go on a fucking mission. <laughs> a quest. Uh, don't flatter me. <laughs> I pull up. This is why you like D&D. Yeah, yeah. Like it's great. Going on quest. It's so fun. So I opened up my Google Maps. It's that way. Let's start heading that way. Uh-huh. Me and him start heading that way. We're having some great heart-to-heart -heart conversations. Really, like, optimistic and lovey-dovey because we're on acid. We're like, dude, I love you. Like, dude, you're so, like, positive. You've had such a positive influence in my life, man. Like, oh. And then we get, that's this, so cute. we get to this one point where there's just this, like, floodlight that's yeah. shining on us. Not that, like, all of a sudden got, it had been lit there the entire time. Yeah. And we were just started staring at it because it was like, super bright. Yeah. Have you ever gone back by it? No, but we started heading towards it. Uh -huh. And when we were walking towards it, all of a sudden, we were talking about the fact that we're walking towards it as we're walking towards it. Should we be walking towards this? And I was like, I don't know. Why not? It's an enticing <laughs> object, and I don't see You're any like, reason not to. It's a pretty cool to. structure. And then I all of a sudden looked to my right. And Who I goes, would not follow the light, you know? That's what we've been told. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, but. Seems rational. I looked to the right, and all of a sudden I realized there was this sign there that uh -huh. said, Trespassers will be shot on sight. <laughs> and I just go, S, S. 
we gotta get the we gotta get the fuck out of here. Like pointing to the sign, and we fucking booked it back to the street. And luckily enough, our friends were there, right there. Do you think the sign was up. real? Yeah, man. That place was very gun toting. Like in PA, we have stand your ground laws. And like... Yeah, but I grew up in that, so I would just be like, eh. You were tripping, not. dude. We were a bunch of like rough ass looking dude. He had a pink ass mohawk. We have those signs all over our farm. Because yeah. it was like I mean, I wasn't. I don't think we were in any legitimate fear. Of yeah, shopping. there's like, a lot of like transient people that. who just walk across the countryside all the fucking time. That's so creepy, though. It is. I feel like that's a psychopath well, territory. Well, it's so creepy. And then like, The Handmaid's Tale of this season was super creepy because they like, are basically Amish, and this season starts on the farm. And guess oh. who? Like whose neighbors are Amish farmers? Mine. Yes. And guess who sits there and sees groups of six women walking across the farms all day? This is weird. <laughs> I live in, you know, Amish PA. Yeah. They were it's big a... Trump supporters because of that fear of freedom of religion. There's a whole other conversation that could be had about that. But anyway, the end of the story is that we ended up getting picked up back mm-hmm. to the place and then just ended up like partying and drinking the rest of the night and playing this. We used to play this game where, um, we would put speech bubbles on the television screen, and then if any of the characters in the TV show or the movie we were watching happened to line up with the speech bubbles, we had to drink. Ended up uh, passing the lighthouse around a few people, decorating it like rainbow colors, because like oh, it's like fun. a creature. And uh, we ended I went up through a couple of days, just too. sticking it in the middle of the center of the university, just mm-hmm. for a while until it got taken off, but. Did you paint it? Yeah, everyone took part in painting it a little bit. I would have just that was like... Kinda, like, you always have activities to do in the trip and like... We were oh, all really? painting on everything. We were painting on each other. We were like painting on... Do you make life. a schedule? No, not at all. Mm. You, that, you can't stick to a schedule when you're tripping at all. I don't know. You just have a bunch of activities <laughs> that you just randomly go to when you want to. Weird. At least that's the ideal way to do it. You guys don't live life like that daily? Because that's what ADHD is like. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's the ideal is to just mm-hmm. do shit whenever the fuck you want. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's optimal because we shouldn't be forced to do something in a certain time period when mental health doesn't work on the same time period. If somebody wants you to be productive, they want you to work when you're at the optimal mm-hmm. mental health. And even if there's a set amount of time you need to do per week, you should be able to take those chunks of time where you want to. Yeah. You can still work 40 hours a week, uh-huh. but in whatever context you want. Mm-hmm. But uh, people aren't flexible like that, and it sucks. Noodle. You're so cute. You're just giving me vibes that he's like, can you guys shut up so I can fucking go to bed? And now he's like, mom, please. You should probably go to bed anyway. It's getting pretty late. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, you have to sign off and say bye. Oh, okay. Uh, do I say anything special? or? No, I don't know. Um, I feel like this is like a Seth Rogen movie right now. <laughs> um, where he's just, fuck it, do what you want, you know? Alright. Uh... Okay, Blazius. Actually, now I'm just picturing Will Ferrell because we were talking about how my brother embodied the Will Ferrell mentality. <laughs> yeah. It's like the stepbrothers thing. Which made it, I will say, it was great to have when I actually got stepbrothers. It was awesome. Yeah. It was like a, definitely a good movie to premise that because that's kind of <laughs> how it went. <laughs> All right, wait, so I guess our, our goodbye is, yo, Blazy's out, dog. Oh, I kind of like that. Bed.
I just want to give a big thank you. You know, that was my cousin. I'm going to refer to him by the name of Blasius, and we're going to be on together for a few more episodes. Hope you guys enjoyed. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Zeta Grace, Z as in zebra, E-D-A-G-R-A-C-E. Also, please take a moment and give us a five-star review wherever you like to listen. Please, you know, this is the beginning stages. Don't be honest. Just just hype me up. We need the hype men at this phase. We do not need realistic criticism. There's too much of that in the world right now. We just need, like, (laughs) good vibes only. Have a great night. Bye.